Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Amen. Uh, for those of you who would like, that song is called All of You by Kane. That's A-W-E of you by Kane. We're actually going to be introducing that song next week. So enjoy it, worship to it, because we're going to introduce it as part of the worship team next Sunday. Hey, uh, don't forget, this week we're starting a brand new series called God at Work, and it's going to be incredible. You want to make sure you come on Sunday. (coughs) Excuse me. I am going to be coughing a lot. I'm trying not to. Um, Pray for me, a little under the weather. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, we're starting a brand new series called God at Work. And the premise of it is going to be, um, how we can see God at work in our lives, but also through our lives in our community, in our workspaces, schools and everything. So it's going to be amazing. But most importantly, you want to come. (coughs) Okay. Lord, help me in Jesus name. Most importantly, you want to come because it's going to be like Vision Sunday Part 2. And Pastor Burton is going to be sharing some really incredible, miraculous things um, that God has been up to over these past few months um, that I think we are going to be celebrating as a church. And it's going to be incredible. So make sure you come. Make sure you invite somebody to come with you um, and let people know what God is doing at Fusion Church. Okay, let's get into it because (coughs) I'm not feeling too great. And I don't want you to be hearing me cough in your ears the entire morning long. So um, we're in the book of John, in the book of John chapter 12. And for those of you who don't have your Bibles, oh no, what happened to my... I know what happened. Give me one second. Give me back my Bible. There we go. You should see that on your screen now. Okay. So we are in the book of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And it says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize 
that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. That's a very key verse right there. We'll get back to it, but remember that verse. They did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. <clears throat> so the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the world how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we have this amazing privilege and honor to be able to study your word, to read your word, to know more about you, God. Father, I pray that as we study this word, first and foremost, Lord, I pray that you would uh, give me the strength to do this this morning, um, that you would help me with my uh, throat and my cough. God, but most importantly, I pray that your word would come alive to us today. I pray that it would speak to us, that it would penetrate our hearts, that it would inspire us and motivate us to worship you in spirit and in truth, to live for you and through you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> okay, sorry. I muted it, so I want to cough in here again. Okay, so let's just touch a little bit of context here. Yesterday, we would have had... Um, verses 9, uh, we would have read the, the previous, so we would have read 10, uh, 12, verse 1 through 11, and it's all about the story of the resurrection of Lazarus and how Jesus brought Lazarus out of the tomb and resurrected him to life. Now, what you see at the end of that section is that the Pharisees hated Jesus and and what happened with Lazarus so much that in verse 10, it actually says, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The Pharisees hated Jesus so much and were so blind to the truth of who Jesus was that they plotted to kill the Pharisee or to kill Jesus or to kill Lazarus because because of Lazarus people were coming to know Jesus they were coming to know Jesus and that meant that they were losing oh man everything's going crazy here they were losing their status they were losing um their influence they were losing everything right uh to Jesus. Let's get back here. They were losing everything as people were going to um, to believe in Jesus. They were losing it all, right? And so they wanted to kill Lazarus, whom Jesus just raised from the dead, right? And so <clears throat> this is the context now in which Jesus begins to enter the city of Jerusalem in what's known as the triumphant entry, right? But really, <clears throat> it should be known as something else. 
because we know that this was the beginning of the end. Right, the beginning of the end. And what I mean by the end, I mean the end of uh, of Jesus' ministry here on earth. Right, we know that he wasn't, his life wasn't going to end because we know he resurrected and is now living an eternal life the way he intended it to be. But what I mean by the end was this was the end of his ministry, his life here on earth. And so that didn't look very triumphant, right? We know what happened. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was beaten, right? <coughs> the same people that were celebrating him, <coughs> that were worshiping him. Man, this is getting worse and worse. <coughs> that were worshiping him in this scene, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord, crying out, um, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed be the King, right? The, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed be the King of Israel, right? The same people that were saying these things were the same people who were ridiculing him, mocking him, uh, beating him slapping him. These were the same people who uh, were at his crucifixion saying, hey, if you really are the son of God, if you really are the savior, why don't you save yourself? And it really makes you ask the question, if you really believed in Jesus, if you really believed in the Savior, I'm sorry, guys, I'm just trying to adjust my camera here. If you really believe that Jesus was the King, was your Savior, then how could you be so quick to flip, right? How could you be so quick to flip the script? Because in one instance, you call him Hosanna, and in the next instance, you're mocking him. In one instance, you call him the King, and in the next instance, you're treating him like uh, a, a thief, right? But I think that has to do with the intention of our worship. Think about this, right? Why do you worship Jesus? What is the motive of your worship? Because as I'm reading this today, that's what challenged me. What is the, 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 the motive for my worship to him? Do I worship him for who he is or do I worship him for who I expect him to be? Do I worship him for who he really is or do I worship him for, that, for what I expect from him? You see, what you have to understand is that as Jesus was resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, that was a very messianic thing to do, Right? They knew that the Messiah would have great power. And so when they see Lazarus raised from the dead, then they said, oh my gosh, this is the Messiah, the one who is to come and save us. Now, what they expected their salvation to look like was totally different. What they expected from Jesus was that Jesus would be this triumphant king, that Jesus would be this king who would come and wage war that Jesus would be this strong and mighty 
powerful deliverer who would wage war against the system, would wage war against Rome, who would conquer Rome and defeat Rome and, and allow the people of Israel to walk in victory and conquer. That's what they expected from the Messiah. But if you look at verse 16, which I told you to just hold on to that verse, right? Verse 16, <coughs> it says, at first, now this is after verse 14, the, the author, right? The God of John is John. John introduces a prophetic word that was spoken by Zechariah. And he says, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's cult. Jesus was fulfilling the prophetic word of Zechariah. And verse 16 says, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, meaning after his death, after his resurrection, after his crucifixion, after everything he had suffered, only after he was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. I want to take a look real quick at Zechariah because this will help us to understand a little bit more what this means. It's Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and on. It says, <coughs> Rejoice greatly. Daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. Now, here's a very awesome contradiction, right? Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey. You tell me. What king is going to come? Another another version of the Bible says, humble and riding on a donkey's cult, right? You tell me what king that is righteous, victorious, and mighty will come in with humility and riding on a donkey. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you know much about animals, but I think everyone knows that a donkey is not an impressive animal. There's nothing victorious or righteous or mighty about a donkey, right? A donkey is pretty much the laughing stock of the animal kingdom, right? There, there seems to be no use to the donkey, right? And yet Jesus, who is righteous and victorious, comes with humility. And that's the first point, is while you might expect the king, and when I say you, I mean the people of Israel. They worshiped him because they expected a mighty king, a victorious king, a righteous king. But they did not expect a humble king. They did not expect one that was born in a manger. They did not expect one that would ride in on a donkey. They did not expect one who would gain victory by suffering. They did not expect a king who would actually <coughs> save them by suffering death. They did not expect a king who would save by surrender. They did not expect a king who would actually lay his life down rather than exalting it. But that's the king that we serve. 
Do you worship him because of who he is? Or do you worship him because of what you expect? Right? He continues and he says, On a cult, the fowl of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. Now watch this. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. They expected a a, a savior who would come and wage war. But Jesus actually was the savior who would come away and take all their weapons away, would take all of their resources away. Why? Because Jesus did not come to wage war. Instead, he continues and he says, he will proclaim peace to the nations and his rule will extend the sea to this from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. The freedom that Jesus brings is the total opposite of what you would expect. I ask you again, do you worship him because of who he is? Or do you worship him because of what you could expect you could get out of him? You could cry Hosanna when he's doing what you expect. You can cry Hosanna when he's fulfilling all of your wildest deeds, right? Needs. You, you, you can cry Hosanna and worship him when everything's going according to your plan. But the truth is that Jesus, he shifts all paradigms. He breaks all the rules. He doesn't operate the way that we would think he would operate. Rather than taking life, he gives his life. Rather than waging war, he comes with peace. Rather than walking high and mighty, he walks with humility and no pride. And that's the God that we serve. That's the God we worship. That's the God we celebrate. Because if he did not do that, you and I would not have the salvation that we have today. You and I can cry Hosanna for a different reason because the salvation that he brings, he brings by laying down his life, by shedding his blood, by offering up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of many, including the people who betrayed him, who mocked him, who spit on him, who ridiculed him on the cross. He died for you and for me. And so that's what I got for today. That's what I've got from today's soap. Let me know what stuck out to you. (coughs) Let me know what stuck out to you. All right, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you that you didn't come to wage war. God, we thank you that you didn't come as an aggressive king. God, we thank you that in your victory and in your righteousness, you demonstrated your humility. You demonstrated that you are a God who wants to bring peace into our lives. And so, Lord, 
Help us to have the right motives in worshiping you. To not just cry Hosanna when you're meeting all of our expectations, but to cry Hosanna simply because Hosanna is what you deserve, is what you're worthy of. Simply because you're worthy to be blessed. You're worthy to be glorified. You're worthy to be honored. And so help our lives to be a life of worship because of what you're worth and because of who you are. Lord, as we continue throughout our weekend, God, I pray that you would move, that you would move in a mighty way. God, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. God, I pray for those of us who find ourselves in need of more of you. God, that you would reveal yourself to us in a deeper, greater way. God, for those of us who are who are dealing with sicknesses right now, God, I pray for healing in all of our bodies. Your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. In the same way you healed the, the people with leprosy, the same way you healed the blind man, the same way, God, that you healed the lame man, the same way that you healed the mute man. God, I pray that you would move in healing today. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we put our trust in you. For those who who might need a provision, God, you are the Jehovah Jireh, God, not our provider, Lord. And so I pray that you would continue to provide for each and every person, God. I pray that you would bless each and every one of us that are on this soap right now, God, and uh, that our lives would be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys. I will see you this week, Cumberland County. I'm coming out to be there with you. Um, And I will see you guys on Sunday. God bless you guys.